0: Welcome to the Joe Cozo Show. Today's guest, I'm telling you right now, he is a fantastic one. This is a man that had 20 brothers and sisters and they're all living in the same house. I don't know how that even happens. I don't know how you're living, you're living with four people in the same bed, four brothers and sisters. Think about the father, never pulling out, the mother, constantly pregnant, but The guest that we have today, his name is Paul Lamar Hunter. He wrote this book. It's called No Love, No Charity. It's a story of heartache. It's a story of family. It's a story of cheating. It's a story of transparency, being honest with yourself. It's also a story of tragedy. There was a major fire in the house with all of these children. One of the siblings died. We're gonna hear about that. I gotta tell you, I am so excited to have this man on but before we do before I introduce you to this person I want to make sure that you subscribe to our show go to our YouTube channel go to our rumble channel like subscribe share the show it helps out the show and then without further ado let's get right into it Paul Lamar hunter all right welcome back to the Joe Cozzo show we have lots to talk about I got something going. I got something cooking here. This is the big leagues. It's New York. I said, I was in the worst neighborhood, man. I said, I had a near-death experience. Crazy? Robert. If you've been through what I've been through in the past month, you'd you'd be crazy, too. All right. I got my main man, Paul Lamar Hunter in studio. It's great seeing
1: you. Thank you for coming on. Hey, thank you for having me a guest on your show, so I am excited yeah, to we've be on your show.
0: We we had this scheduled for a long time now coming, and it's just, you know, time happens like this, and the next thing you know, here you are in studio. For the people that don't know who you are, though, give us a little brief description about yourself, who you are, where are you from, and how did you get to this spot today?
1: Well, I can tell you, I am Paul Lamar Hunter. I am the 19th child out of 21 children. Yes, my mother birthed 21 children by my dad. Um, There's a
0: lot of banging going on there.
1: A lot of sex. A
0: lot of sex going on there, and nobody's pulling out. So that was definitely not in the the thing. Like, after the 17th child, you would think your mom would be like, listen, you got to— you got to get out. You got to pull out in time. <laughs> but 19, 21 children all together.
1: 21 all together. 17 living today, 63 grandchildren, and 87 great grandchildren. So I was born in a city, small city, about roughly about 95,000, Racine, Wisconsin. Um, Wisconsin is a great place, um, home of the Green Bay Packers, home of the Milwaukee Bucks. The but Milwaukee you have a 49ers. Bucks. Hat on, yeah, because you got to understand this all of my siblings they are Green Bay Packers fans. I am the only 49ers fan in the family, and for the last couple of years, you know what? I've been having the last laugh at them. Well, uh, yeah, you have <laughs> now. I, I want to ask you this because
0: there's so few, you're in the minority of having 20, you know, 20 siblings. And I have one sister. That's it. And, you know, I couldn't stand her growing up because, you know, she was in my way and things, whatever, wh- whatever it may be. You have 20, right? And you are, and there, a lot of them are older than you, correct? Most definitely. Most definitely. How is that growing up? How is that when you have, you know, say at five years old, how many of them in the house? Because first of
1: all, do you live in a mansion? What are you guys doing? You guys five in a room? What, how was that? Well, let me explain this my mother was pregnant with the 14th child they were living in a two-bedroom home at that particular time so they received a knock at the door and it was the racine sheriff department and they told my mom there was too many people living in this home so she had 72 hours to leave my mom and dad went to church the pastor at that particular time They prayed for my mom and and dad. The next day, a miracle happened. A man from the church showed up to give my mom and dad an 18-bedroom house for $1. Now, keep in mind, my dad and mom did not have the money. They did not have the money until Friday. So the man went into his wallet and gave my mother that $1. Wait a second. Hold on. (laughs) Your parents have... Thirteen children,
0: fourteen children at the time, yes. and your dad can't raise a dollar.
1: Cannot raise a dollar. But what is? He, why? What is he doing for a living? He was working at that time, and he did not get paid until Friday.
0: Yeah, I know. But what, what? What I'm trying to say is, is what kind of? How is that happening? That you have that many children, and you don't get paid until a Friday. So let's just say it's Tuesday, and you don't have a dollar to your name with all those children. I mean, that's some crazy stuff. And this guy, you said that just. I'll give you an 18 bedroom.
1: 18 bedroom house for one dollar. So every Friday my dad got paid but this particular you know day he did not have any money. You got to understand that you know when you got a lot of kids in the house and you got to feed your wife also and you got to feed yourself, that's a lot of pressure. you know that's at that particular time it was a lot of pressure. So um, the what was main, he doing? My dad had uh, worked for a case company. Um, Case Company is one of the biggest manufacturing company in the city of Racine, and they build tractors. And so, uh, my dad was working at that particular time. He did not have a dollar. He was every week, you know, he was paying bills, constantly paying bills, you know, trying to, you know, keep up. And when you have a big family, you know, you got you got to pay for clothes, you got to pay um, electric, alone. food alone. So that 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 right there was a lot of stress and a lot of lot of pressure. How How was it when you were growing up, and let's just say, and
0: maybe you didn't do this because of the the money situation, but I'm just thinking taking a family to, say, Fridays, right? You know, a Chuck E. Cheese, or taking the the family to an airport so we can just travel and go somewhere to, say, to Disney. Those things are not happening.
1: Not in the Hunter family. One thing that really happened in the Hunter family is this, the community. We had a great community back when I was growing up in the 1970s, I'm 52 years old, so in the 70s we had a great community. Um, In that 18 bedroom house that was given to my mom, we still struggle, but people, amazing people in the city of Racine, Wisconsin, would constantly knock on our doors and just leave food, furniture, um school supplies at the door for the Hunter family. That's why I am grateful today for people in the city of Racine, Wisconsin that really came to our need when I was growing up.
0: You know, saying you're talking about that, first of all, that's a great story that people are actually helping out. But when you're growing up at say 5 years old, how is that living in a household with all of those siblings? It was wild,
1: man. Um how many br- brothers and sisters are there in total? 11 girls, 10 boys. But if you talk to my mom, if my mom was alive today, she would tell you them girls gave her trouble. But the girls never gave me trouble. The, my, my brothers never gave me trouble. I'm grateful for them because some of them had to forego their education and stay home with us when when I was a, a baby and so they taught us how to read, how to communicate, they taught us chores, how to clean up the house, how to cook. Because mom and dad was constantly working what, at that particular time.
0: What what's the oldest
1: to the youngest? The gap in between. Like how old is the oldest to the youngest? Today the oldest is seventy one years old. The youngest that um the twenty first child, she just turned fifty. 50, so it was twenty-one year gap. Yes. So every year he was just your mom was popping out kids. Every year my mom and dad was getting down. They was banging. Man. But, but never? I, <laughs> listen,
0: I love it because I, you know, I wish I right now I have a daughter. I wish I had more children. I wish I had a son. I wish I had a family like that. A nice little thing, you know, a community. You were talking about a community? I didn't know if you were talking about the community in the eighteen, you know. Room house, or are you talking about the community that you're living in, because they're both communities. Yes, right? you know, I mean, they're both big enough to be a community. You know, you have two basketball teams, basically. Now we on have, the we thing. have we
1: have a football team, we have a baseball team, we have a soccer team, we have a volleyball team.
0: Yeah, I know, it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, I could just remember, I could just imagine a, uh, a barbecue right now when all the family members come. It's, it's going to be expensive, you know, just to have it. But my question is is to you is is did you ever have a conversation with your parents and be like, why? Like, you know, after the 10th child, that, that, that's abnormal. 10 children, right? Because that's a lot of money. It's a lot of work. I mean, that's a lot of pregnancies for a woman to, to have to go through. You don't really hear of that. I mean, did you ever have a conversation with them and say, why did you keep doing it when you knew that we didn't have the money to do it? Does it get to a point that it's
1: irresponsible to keep having all these children? I did not have a conversation with my mother, but my brother... Larry Hunter had that conversation and I was able to listen in and I remember my mother saying that if God gave her the will and courage to have children she's going to have them until he says it's enough and so she had birthed 21 children but if you ever do the math my mom stayed pregnant for 15 years so it takes a lot of courage. It takes it takes a lot of determination. It takes a lot of love.
0: Are you you calculating the 15 years from the th- minus the 3 months of a pregnancy so it's from the 21 kids? Yes. You minus the 3 months cuz it's a 9 month term obviously. Yes, and then the 6 weeks that you have to heal. So that, you you know, you didn't, I didn't even think of that, that's 15 <laughs> years of being pregnant, carrying around a child, you know, I mean, us guys, we don't know what it is for eight months in or seven months in to have your belly sticking out and you can't bend down and, I mean, that's crazy that when you say something like that, you got to give a lot, her a lot of credit. What a woman, huh?
1: Yeah, uh, amazing um, woman to birth 21 children. I have four children myself, I have one granddaughter. You know, four is enough for me. I'm yeah. not having any more. Children. Yeah, four is
0: a lot. How was it for you, though, to find who you are? Because you have these siblings, and, you know, there's probably a lot of competition within. You know, I'm not saying that it was an unhealthy competition. I think competition's great. I think that makes you want to be somebody, you know, to to strive to be better when you see other people around you that are better. We were talking about off camera, you are the average of the five people you're with. You have you know, 20 other people around you. But how is it finding who you are as a human being and finding your place in society and and your your purpose?
1: It was a struggle, I have to say. Um, Coming from a big family and trying to find who you are, it was a struggle. But I thank God for my siblings because my siblings made mistakes. When they were young and teenagers, they made mistakes. I looked at their mistakes and I said to myself that I cannot make those same mistakes. So I began to surround myself with positive men and women that were mentors in my life. You know, um, I went to church. I went to Bible study. Um, I also was um, a part of the YMCA and and also I was part of the community where good men and women had excellent programs for men and women. And so um, that's how I was able to find who I am as a person. And I always wanted to do something positive. I knew that I was going to be. Um, the first to graduate from college in my family. I knew that I was going to be the first author in the family because I had that burning desire to go beyond what uh, my siblings had accomplished, what my mom had accomplished, what my dad had accomplished. And so As I began to grow and develop as a young man, I had to look at my mom's lineage, my father's lineage, and what I discovered is that it wasn't success in their family, but I had the opportunity to lay the foundation, not only for the Hunter family, but for everybody that is struggling in their inner city or abroad, so I became the first in my family to graduate from college, from Upper Iowa University. I received a Bachelor's of Science in Business Administration, and then I became the first author in the family. So, you know, I want to get into your accolades because you wrote a book and, and you,
0: I want to talk about that too, but there's some things that I still need to talk about this family situation. Yes. And that it, it just blows my mind to be honest with you. Like the first thing that comes to my mind when I hear that there's 21 children in the house is setting up for breakfast, right? Kids got to go to school. How does that just just take us through a little a preview of what that was like? Getting ready, to, say to go to school in the morning. You have kids that all have to eat. They all have to get dressed. You know, they all have to get on the bus or get to school. How did that? Ha- how did that happen?
1: Well, it happened because of my older siblings. My older siblings used to get us up at five in the morning. Made sure that we took a shower after we got through taking a shower. They made sure that we had on our clothes. Then we had to go downstairs to the kitchen or the living room and we had to sit there and eat whatever they gave us and it wasn't a lot and I'm going to be honest it wasn't a lot but it sustained us at that particular time so my siblings used to make sure that we ate in the morning and sometime it was leftovers it was sometime beans and cornbread in the morning time sometime it was that homemade biscuit that my mom used to make with syrup. Sometimes it was just eggs with grits or just grits and bacon, but. Yeah, it wasn't like you had a,
0: a, an option, like a menu. Hey, what do you guys want to eat today? Eggs, you want Frankenberry cereal, you know, we got Fruity Pebbles, we have pancakes. You know, you, it's like you said, whatever you have, whatever's in the house is what you're gonna eat.
1: That's what we ate, and I remember a time where we didn't have any milk for cereal. And what we used was water for cornflakes. That's what we used. That's crazy. You know, you don't
0: really appreciate certain things in life until you hear stories like that. You know, I had a a privilege. You know, my parents didn't have a lot of money, but I never not had milk in the house. I mean, my parents never said, here's cornflakes with water and deal with it. You know, and when you start hearing stories like that, you start realizing how good you really had it. Right, um, I'm hearing you talking about your siblings, and they're basically mother and father figures for you. Is that a, a, a correct assessment? I mean, do you have one particular older sibling that you think was the rock of the family?
1: Yes, I think that was my older sister, um, Elizabeth. Um, she was the rock. Is she alive of, today? She's alive today. She's the one that's seventy-one years old. I still communicate with her um, once a week. Uh, matter of fact, um, I spoke with her um, yesterday when I was heading to New York City. So um, she told me to go out and um, have fun, and that's what I'm doing is having fun with you, yeah. telling this story.
0: Yeah. No, I could imagine that. Now, another question I have, and this is totally a totally different type of question, is, I mean, I know growing up when I'm twelve years old, thirteen, whenever and I started sexually getting my you know wits together you know i had a lot of privacy i was able to go off if i want to go whack off i go whack off i could close the <laughs> door i do whatever i don't have 20 other siblings that i got you know there's no privacy when you have 20 other siblings right am i right or am i wrong if i want to bring a girl back over i could bring her back over and that would be the end of it. What about you? How did you deal with that? It was Because it doesn't seem like there was any privacy no in
1: that privacy, household. No privacy, but I did not whack off. But <laughs> there was no privacy.
0: Just, what do you mean? You just, When you were growing up, there was no whacking off? There was no nothing no, for
1: you? No, that's not my nature. I, I want the real thing. <laughs> I want the real thing, too. But sometimes, you know, sometimes you're in a drought.
0: Sometimes you're in a drought. You got to just, you know. But I could see being, having all that not privacy, and then you're like, I don't know anything about that because I didn't have time to explore. I didn't have time to do certain things because we were always in each other's face. Like when you were growing up, did you in your bedroom, did you sleep by yourself in a bedroom? No. I
1: wish I did sleep by myself. <laughs>
0: well, then you'd probably be whacking off if you did. <laughs> but, but that being said, though, how many people did you have? Like how many siblings were in
1: your bedroom? Like the most at, say, one time? The most at one time in one room was four. It's a lot. That is a lot. You know,
0: and especially when there's a different age gap. Yes. You know, and, and, and that, because you guys are going through experiencing different things in your life. Yes. What was it when you, you know, you were talking about before that you wanted to be the first to go to college. You wanted to be the first to be an author. What age were you at when you started really looking in the mirror and saying, you know what? This life that I have here is not enough for me. I want more.
1: I was at the age of 11 years old and like I stated earlier I saw some of the mistakes that my siblings made and they were way older than me and I wanted something totally different I just had a burning desire to be different from my siblings you know that's the reason why I don't drink I don't do any drugs uh, what do you mean when you say you don't drink I don't I don't use alcohol when did you ever use alcohol I tasted it, but it's tasted it. Yeah, but it's not for me. So you
0: never went. There was never a time that your friends were like, "Hey, listen, Paul, let's go down to the bar and get
1: a couple of shots." I would go to the bar. I'm more like uh, I like to chase women. You do like chasing yeah, women. I, I love like chasing women.
0: women, too. Now you're in my wheelhouse. <laughs> now you're in my wheelhouse. I like yeah. chasing
1: women, too. I love women. You line them up, I knock them down. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. If you get me, I get a scent of you, and you coming by my peripheral, <laughs> Yes, I am on a hunt. <laughs> yeah, so that's how that's your thing, too, right? Yeah. I say, I, you know, my thing was pussy was always my kryptonite. Mm. It was my kryptonite, because I, if I'm on... You know if I'm studying, like I was studying for the bar exam, or if I'm doing something, the only thing that could distract me from when I want to achieve greatness during my past was women. Yeah, you know, I get that that little somebody's moving me in a certain way, and then everything else stops. And I wish it wasn't like that now that I'm older and my sex drive isn't the way it used to be, and my testosterone probably isn't the way it used to be. It's a little different now. Now I could stay focused on other things. But when you get that girl, get that nice body, and you get Mm. that that beautiful-looking woman, it's tough.
1: How do you deal with that? Well, I'm 52 years old, and I feel like I'm in my 20s. Oh, really? Look at you. I'm still active. Are you married? No, I'm not married. I'm single, man. You got four kids. Were you ever married? Never, and and have no desire to become married at all. How many baby mamas you got? I only have two. Two is good for four. Yeah. Because you could have had four. Yeah. <laughs> that
0: would be real bad. That would have been real bad. I got one, and it's—I don't want two. I don't want two. <laughs> I don't want two. I'll tell you that right now. There's no <laughs> way
1: I want two. Um,
0: but good for you. Are you active with your kids in your life?
1: Constantly. Constantly. Yeah. You know, they know that I'm um, I'm in New York, and um, they've never been here before. Um, only one that has been here is my oldest daughter. She drove down here after um, gradu- graduating high school. And she didn't like um, New York, but she, you know, I talked to her. They told me, be careful, Dad. You in New York City.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's true, though. It's true. It's it, Not here on Long Island, but in New York City, Manhattan, yeah. it, it, you know, in some parts. You know, people ask me, because I've never been married. I'm 49 years old, and I have a child. And, you know, why didn't you ever get married? They would ask me. And, you know, for whatever reasons, I give them. But I would like to ask you. Why do you think at 40, I mean, at 52 years old, you have four children, why, you know, and you you come from a family, your mom and dad stuck together when that probably they could have, you know, after five children, there's enough of drama and your father is, every single last dime he has is comes in and goes out, comes in and goes out to make people be like, listen, this is not working. I gotta get the hell out of here. That's why I give your parents a lot of credit because they stuck together. But why for you then, when you grew up in that environment and you saw that love and you see all that togetherness, why did that prevent you, though? Why are you never married?
1: There's no commitment. Um, Are you afraid of commitment? There's no compromising. Um, There's a lot put on man's plate today. Um, I was involved with a young lady, you know, just conversations, you know, sexual relationships, and she had this ideology in about a relationship that a man's supposed to pay all the bills. A man's supposed to pay for her hair to get done, her nails, uh, food, the mortgage, or the rent. But you work, but what are you going to pay for? Oh, that's my money, so I guess to keep my money. And those women... I avoid once they tell me that. But do you I, think that you got? St- that you, maybe you had that in the beginning
0: of your relationships, and that's that is what made you say, you know what, I don't want that.
1: I had it in my relationship, but veins has changed once you get to know the female, and they have an ideology or a perspective of this is how their relationship supposed to supposed to. To be. And so now that I'm older, I don't have that desire to be married at all. No, neither do I. And my, you know, when people would ask me, it's,
0: I think that relationships get mundane after a while. People get relaxed, right? And people then start just accepting, you know, and, and they're not on their toes. And I feel like if, you know, I'm with my girlfriend right now for seven years, almost seven, going on six and a half. Well, it's time for you to get married. No, never. never. <laughs> I'm never doing it. And I'll tell you why. We love each other exactly the same way. Because you want to know something. That I feel like she knows and I know at any second, if I start acting, you know, start acting up and I start disrespecting her, there's nothing. We don't have to go to divorce. We don't have to get lawyers. She could just get up, pack her bags, and leave. And I know that that could happen like that if I start acting stupid. And she knows that too. And it keeps us together. I feel like once you're married, people then start getting into this routine and you're not going anywhere and I'm married and this is this and this is that and and they start relaxing and they start not being on their toes, so to speak. And I you know, and I have friends that are married and I see that their relationships and how that is. And for me, it's listen, yeah, I know you lie to me, you know, let's just say, you know, I'm giving just an example, but if you lie to me again, I'm out of here. Not, but when you're married and you know that you could get a divorce and it could go on for two years, you're not really out of there. And there's no real, you know, um, threat that could be ending the relationship in a blink of an eye. So for me, it just always worked out that way that it was, you know, every time I'm in that relationship, we know that it could end immediately. You know, I, I don't know if that's like that for you you know the being too comfortable in a relationship could end it but maybe to you you know is it maybe that you are just
1: afraid of commitment I'm not afraid of commitment I'm comfortable you know I love myself and every woman that I was involved in a relationship with I cheated on
0: <laughs> you sound like you mean you I have a lot of common
1: I, I just I just cheated on you know and that's why I said that if you line them up, if you line up a bunch of beautiful women, I guarantee you, I'm gonna knock them down.
0: I change, I, I was like that up until I was around 40 years old. I have cheated I cheated on every single girl that I was with. I couldn't help myself because, if it was, like I said, the beautiful women is just beautiful women. I, I couldn't help myself. And then the last two relationship is when it, it just basically stopped. And I said, I can't do this anymore because you wanna know why, it's just very expensive. You get caught in lies. And I looked at myself and I said, is this the man that you want to be? Just continue, you know, lying and and walking around and being unfaithful. Why are you making that face? What are you making that face for?
1: Well, Joe, you shouldn't have to lie. You have to be honest. uh, What what are
0: you you saying? Are you saying that you're cheating and you tell them, hey, listen, I'm letting you know that I'm I'm hanging out with other women?
1: It started two years ago when I started, you know, really being honest with them and saying, listen here, you know, I love women um we can mess around we can engage in sexual relationship but hey when i see something that i want i'm gonna go out and get it and it's up to you if you want to have this relationship with me this part-time relationship with me and allow me to do what i want to do but i haven't found the woman that i really want to marry and i don't think at my age that i'm gonna find that woman i'm comfortable right now as a 52-year-old, having multiple relationships uh, with women because I'm honest with them. And I have some women that decided to uh, get out of my top 10 and say, I can't do this anymore. And I understand that, but you keep coming back, you know, you keep coming back You keep coming back. So, hey. You know, you want to be in the top 10, you got to stay in the top 10. I can't, but I love, I got to tell you, I I respect what you're saying.
0: Uh, 100%. But I, you know, I, I, I listened to this story and, what comes to mind is the conversation. Is it easy for you to have that conversation with a woman and say, Hey, listen, I mean do you do you said that you're doing it for the past two years, but before that you were cheating and you weren't telling the person w- you were cheating. I was not telling them. Yeah, you but, but that's what I'm saying. You that burden, that's what I said. See you we just went two different routes. You went the route like, Hey, listen, I'm cheating and not telling them. I was there cheating them, not telling them, and then I came out and said, I'm not cheating anymore. I just wanna be loyal to one person. You said, I'm not cheating anymore. I'm telling them, so it's not cheating. No, it's not. Yeah, it's not. I agree with you. It's not. It's not cheating. But... Having multiple partners, I mean, that does that's taxing, too. At 52 years old, you got four children. You know, one night you're going to Friday's. The other night you're going to Applebee's. This night, you, you know, you're fucking this one. You're fucking that one. Are you wearing condoms with all these girls?
1: Most definitely. I, I, don't, I don't know want, how you I, do that. I don't, I don't know I don't how you want, do that. I
0: don't, any, I don't want any more kids. I know, but and, you got plan B. Tell, tell them, listen,
1: put down the contract. And, and, and most women now, they would rather deal with a guy like me than to be in a full-time relationship you know, with a, with, a, with a person. So they'd rather deal with me. I know. I agree with that. I'm just saying, I don't know how you wear a condom because it sucks. Hmm. I hate wearing a condom. It does
0: not feel right. I, but you don't. Again, here's the thing: you don't jerk off. So, so no. you know, if I didn't do that either, then I'd probably be wearing a condom because I'll take what I can get. <laughs> I'd probably be doing that. But let me let's get into you now a little bit with your success that you've had because I, I could talk about women all day long, and I could see that you can too. Because I yes. love, yeah. First of all, let me ask you this: though, what is your before we get into your book that I want to talk about here? What is your preference in women? What is your what, what's your forte? Do you, is it don't matter, it's just beauty, or do you have a preference?
1: I have a preference. I like I like intellectual women. I like their beauty. Um, they got to have a beautiful ass, nice tits, <laughs> you, know. Well, you know. Speaking some, my language. Some woman, you know, I, I like the women that, um, that would challenge you and also want to partner uh, with you. You know, and, and and want to see you succeed, and tell and tell you things. Hey, this is what you need to. Uh, this is what you need to do. Like I met this woman one time in Memphis, um, Tennessee, and you know I was down there visiting my my brother, and I was downtown, and I met her, and she told me, Hey, um, I am a brandy coach. And I said, Branding? What does Brandy? And I see so. So she gave me the definition of what she does with with people. And oh, so like branding, branding, like, yes. you know,
0: like social media branding yes.
1: or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Influencing. Yes. So I did a radio interview and she came and then after the interview, she said, this is what you need to change if you want to become successful. You know, you have to be energetic. You have to be excited when you do these interviews. So she gave you a little something. She gave me a little something. Then you gave her a little something. Yeah, most definitely. Then you gave her a little something. Yeah, yeah, Look at you. So it's a trade-off.
0: Yeah, it is. yeah. yeah. Well, that's (laughs) the thing. The only thing that difference between what you said about women and what I did is, you know, you also have, to. at 52 years old, you want to make sure that they are independently, financially successful. Yes. Right? Because the last thing that you're looking to do is finding a new person that you're trying to then take care of. Yeah. Right. Because then that's when things can get go sideways, in my opinion. But let's talk about.
1: You go to college. where did you go to college for? I went to college for um, business administration. OK, so that's a two year program. Nope. That's that's a lot of business Four. administration,
0: though. but that's a lot of electives. Right. I took business administration's mm-hmm. first. It's a lot of electives and everything. Yes. And you know, it's a generalized thing. But what were you saying when you were taking, you know, did you say that you wanted to be, you know, a stockbroker? Did you say you want to be an accountant? Like when you say business administration, what does that entail? What did you see yourself doing?
1: I see I saw myself doing a lot of public relation um work in in that in in that field. So um I majored into business administration, but it really helped me out because I became a PR person, even though I had a degree, a bachelor's of science in business administration, I became a public relations person because I was able to get my story profile in Black Enterprise, Ebony Magazine. I was on Vivica KA Fox talk show. How'd she look? Oh, she's amazing. She's fine, man. I don't know how she looks anymore. Man, I was flirting with her. But every I, time I, uh, I had the opportunity, I was, was flirting with her. She hot. Yes. I love Vivica Fox. Yes. Oh, yeah. So I was on her show in 2019. And, you know, and I met her. I met Dr. Phil. Um, I met Judge Mary. Um, How was Dr. Phil? Dr. Phil was a cool guy. He's he cool was dude. a very, very cool guy. And at that particular time, he asked me the same question. When am I going to settle down? And I told him I'm not going to settle down. You know, that's, that's, this is who I am.
0: What do you do, though, for money? Like, how do you generate money? Are you making money off your
1: books? Are I'm you making, making money for speeches? Like, I'm making money off my books. Also, I I work full-time. And so I have a lot of PTO time, so that's the reason why I was able to come down What's here. What's PTO mean? <laughs> paid time off. <laughs> paid time off. I like that. I like the sound of that. I like paid time off. So, so you know, also... That book, No Love, No Charity, The Success of the Nineteen Child, and also my mother book, Love and Charity, The Life Story of Louise Hunter and the H- Homeless Shelter, both of those books has been adapted into a screenplay. So I have other stream of income coming in as as well. So we partnered with Tail Flick um, Pictures, which is out in Los Angeles, um, California. Um, they were able to complete the screenplay Also, they wrote the page pitch, and it has been pitched to different uh, movie directors and movie producers. And what we're trying to do is get everybody to come in and partner in. So hopefully by the end of this year, we'll have a deal done, and, and we're ready to rock and roll. That's good. I love that. I think one of the most important things to be successful is you have to have
0: multiple streams of income. You can't have just one income coming in it has to be multiple to be highly successful you could live your life you could get up and have a nine to five job and you know you know that i have you know an extra at the end of the month an extra five hundred dollars to do you know maybe go out to dinner or maybe you know pay a cable bill and stuff like that but if you want to live a luxurious life if you want to live an extraordinary life you have to do extra yes like my man, like who I love is Steve Harvey. I love Steve Harvey. I love listening to him because, you know, that's something that I got from him
1: that he says. But tell me about the book. No Love, No Charity, The Success of the Nineteen Child. What is it? So what is, obviously,
0: Nineteen Children. There we go. Look at you there. Look at
1: you. my oh, man. <laughs> yes, yes, yes.
0: So tell us about
1: the book. Why would I, if I'm, first of all, how do I get this book? You get that book at Amazon. Or Barnes and Nobles, and I'm gonna tell you something about that book. That book will make you laugh. That book will make you cry. But most importantly, it will change your life because it gives perspectives and ideals how to become a better parent. Um and, and it well, will let just me ask you this, John, and I, and I got
0: and I have to say this, yes. right? And, and some people, and again, I'm in your boat. Yes. I've never been married right, and I've had a child out of wedlock. That's okay, He's No, 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 cool. no, 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 I know, so I'm not, so don't take this in a way, but you know, some people may look at it and say, how am I gonna get advice from a guy that's never been married about how to be a better parent and you know, has four children with two different, you know, mothers, how am I going to, why would I wanna listen to this guy <laughs> tell me how to be a parent when his children are being raised Without a nuclear family, you know, a traditional mom and dad nuclear family. And what would you say to that?
1: First thing I would say to them is go out, purchase the book. It's going to change their lives. But, hey, I am a parent. You don't need two parents in, a, in the household to raise children. There's a lot of parents. There's a lot of I know a lot of males, a lot of females that are single and they are co-parenting. And there's nothing wrong with that. Oh, I agree. I'm so don't you, judge Wyatt. me. Don't You know, because people will judge me. Oh, why should I, you know, take this guy advice, you know, just get the book and just read it. Well, you know, people, people are entitled to their opinion. Listen, I'm not a perfect parent, but one thing I am, I'm an honest parent. I'm an honest parent. My children, they are all adults, totally different from me totally different from me. They are in healthy relationships and I'm, I'm very happy for them. I'm very happy for them, but this is my lifestyle. So, so don't judge my lifestyle at all. My kids are healthy, intelligent. They in um, a great relationship. That's them. But now that they are adults, I'm living my life. I am living my life. Tell me the
0: difference between the the burden when you finally switched and said, I'm going to stop being an honest person, like you said two years ago, especially with the women. Tell me about how that stress that you had, and maybe you didn't have any stress because you just didn't give a fuck. You're like, you know what, I don't care. I'm lying to these girls. I'm cheating on them. I don't care. But, you know, I, when you say the word honest and you said an honest parent is parent that resonates to me because I believe honesty, you know, no one and I'm talking about a female or a male has anything to be worried about if they're always honest, it's once you start lying, that you have to now remember the lie. And you have to remember, you know, you, you, you know, you just don't feel right about the, you know, the conversation, you try to avoid people that you're lying to. Once you made that switch, or was it that you made this, you know, was it a certain thing that you said, Hey, you know what? Fuck this. I'm not lying anymore to these women. I'm not lying anymore to myself. How did that then change your life?
1: I had to be honest because I was uh, messing around with this um, beautiful woman and I got caught up in a lie and it changed me that day. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, um, we had a conversation and um, I left my phone unlocked and she went through my cell phone and she saw um, pictures of other women and text messages and stuff, and she thought that we were in a healthy relationship, you know. But it wasn't. And I remember the young lady crying, and I told myself that I have to be honest with her. And so I told her, I said, "Listen, I always cheated on every woman I was involved in a relationship with," and I said this it's who I am. And I said that uh, I've been doing it for years and now it's time for me just to be honest and straightforward with everybody. And once I began to tell them women, some of them stayed, some of them left, but it, it was okay with me. That must have been a burden lifted off of your shoulders. It was a burden lifted off my shoulder.
0: You know, now now all of a sudden things start smelling different. Mm -hmm. You know, going out starts being different because you're not always looking over your shoulder. You're not sitting there saying, let me change my passcode up because I think she saw it over my shoulder. And now I got to change the phone passcode. Like, you know, because once you start, like I said, once one lie turns into another lie, and then you got to remember all these lies, it taxes you mentally and emotionally as a human being. That's what made me say to myself, I'm done with all that shit. I'm not lying. I'm totally transparent. I'm transparent with everything. I don't want any of the bullshit. You know, even just a little lie that you say to somebody, just it's too much of a burden to have. And I think that's why, you know, if you're going to be in a relationship, whether it's friendships, you know, guy, girl, you know, two guys just being, you know, good pals, if you're lying and you're always being dishonest, it's just not a true, genuine relationship. And it's taxing on on, on my mind, and I, I, it seems like it was on yours.
1: Yes, yeah, but I'm free now. You're free. That's the thing. You're free. <laughs> what? Um, Did she come back? No, she did not come back. She um, got married, and um, she's in a healthy marriage, as she told me. And I told her, hey, God bless you.
0: You know, I, I want to go back to a little bit, too, because, you know, when you were doing that with
1: these women, you were also going to church. Yeah, I went to church. There's nothing wrong with going to church. I no, go no. there and listen to the word of God. But, you know, um, but what I'm saying God gave us is... free will. So I make my own decision. I, I don't have to answer to men or or woman. I answer to God. Um on, judgments, on Judgment Day.
0: When you say God, do you believe in, in, in God and also do you believe in
1: Jesus or do you believe in... I believe, I believe in God and I also believe in Jesus. You know, because uh, my mother and father made sure that we were in church on Sundays and also Wednesdays we would have Bible study um, in the house. So uh, let me say this, you know, in the inner city there's an old adage that they say that preacher kids are the worst kids <laughs> because you know we have so much um, high expectations to be good in society. But you know, once we break away from our parents, we do our own thing. You know, because you know, my mom and dad was very strict on us. We weren't allowed to participate in sports. You know, play sports. Um, We were not allowed to go to any dance functions at the school. Um, My mother and dad always wanted us home. They kind of shelter us. You understand? And um, they did not want us to get in trouble with the law. They not wanted us to, you know, to hang out with anybody that was, you know, negative. We were constantly, constantly in church on Sundays. Bible study, you know.
0: How do you get? Uh, well, I guess uh, I guess your older siblings. They were driving at the time, but I was trying. I'm trying to think of packing all into a car and 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 being able to then take 21 children all to the same place. We had two station wagons. That's you, remember, what I'm you
1: remember the old days? We had oh, those yeah. big
0: old long station. Oh wagons yeah, like yeah, the, yeah, like, yeah. Like, a yeah. like like bunch. I, yeah, I loved it too. I had one. <laughs> I had one. Where I was just sitting in the back, you know, without the seats, and, and hang out by the back window and <laughs> stick the finger up at people driving behind us. Yeah, I loved that. Um you know it's do you do you look back and and say that you wish things were maybe a little bit different, or do you
1: love everything that happened because you are where you are now like do you wish that you maybe you were able to no regrets no regrets of what how mom and dad raised us there's no regrets you know you can't give what you don't have, you know my mom might not have been perfect, just like my father, but you know they couldn't give what they didn't have so. I appreciate the struggles because I am grateful. I am humble that I was able to experience that um, that hardship. And I see people today that is not grateful, that is not humble from where they came from. You know, they will they will spoil, and I wasn't spoiled at all. So I am grateful that I experienced what I experienced when I was a child.
0: Was it difficult for you to, you know, because you've, you have that family structure there that you have all these kids and all your siblings at the house. Was it difficult to just get up and leave and say, I'm going to put this behind me now and I'm, I'm not going to be in that house. I'm not going to be with all my siblings. I'm going to go off on my own. Was that something that was difficult for you to do? Being so dependent on so much growing up?
1: No, I always wanted to be around my mom and my siblings. The most difficult thing for me was when the mother of my children moved my children to San Antonio, Texas. And as a father, I wanted to be there with my children, but I had to stay behind because I was in college. and. Oh, how old were you when you first had your child? I was 24. I I was 24. Okay but the mother of my children she moved my kids down to San Antonio.
0: Oh, she went to college late,
1: a little yeah. later. Yeah. So did
0: I. Yeah. So okay.
1: Yeah, so That's tough. It was it was tough because, you know, my father died when I was 8 years old. And I always told myself that if I ever have kids that I wanted to outlive my father. You know, cuz my father died when I was um I was 8, he was 40. 44, 45 years old when he had passed away. And so um, I told myself when I have kids, I was always going to be there with my children. So the hardest part was breaking away from my mom and my siblings and move to San Antonio, Texas. But it also was a blessing. I thought it was a curse, but it became a blessing because it opened up my horizon that there are other people that live differently from where I come from. So um, it challenged me to go out and engage people, and become a better man.
0: Uh, Going back to the book, No Love, No Charity. Yes. right. So give me three, if you could, three reasons why, and and, and try to be as particular as you can. Okay. Okay. Because, you know, if I I sit here and I sit, you know, and I pass by and I look at the thing, you know, you you don't judge a book by its cover and you don't really know too much. But for people that are maybe interested in reading this, what would it be? Three things that would make me, entice me to want to say, you know what, I'm going to dig in on this.
1: I think um the first thing will intrigue people is how my mother birthed 21 children and only had one son to graduate from college. Another thing is how I experienced almost dying in a house fire. And but stay positive. You know, my brother passed away and everybody thought that I was going to pass away, but I didn't, I survived.
0: Well, let's, before you go on, you know, I mean, we're not, you gotta tell me about the fire. So <laughs> let's, you know, let's, let's bring that back now. Where were you? what was going on before the fire started like what were, you know, I don't know if you could remember even your mindset or what you guys were hanging out you know and maybe watching TV or you guys all joking around or where, wherever it was but give me a few minutes before the fire and then when you got to it when, when, when it happened
1: well um I remember clearly we were sleeping next minute I know fire was consuming everywhere and um my brother You're Michael. you sleeping? Yeah my, okay. yeah. my brother Michael, he got everybody out except my brother Thomas and myself. Now, were you on the
0: like third second floor? floor. Second floor.
1: I was on the second floor. Me, uh, Thomas and I were sleeping in the same bed, but Michael could not get to us. It was two firemen that came up. One of them grabbed me. He had me on his hip and they were trying to revive my brother, Thomas, at that particular time. And the fireman said, he has a pulse, but we have to get out of here. Fire was just everywhere.
0: Well, I, I, I know, and I don't mean to cut you off here, but what was going through you and your brother when you knew that the fire, now you get up, right, and it's blazing? Petrified. Like, well, explain that, though. As I've never been in a fire. I, I don't was, know what that what's like, that's like, especially was, at, how old were you?
1: I was seven years old at that seven. time. Seven? I mean, you must I, have been
0: hysterical.
1: I was petrified. I was crying. I was asking for mom and asking for dad. Were you able to move around the room and look out the window? Were you able to, or you trapped in a corner? Or? We were trapped because fire was coming from the walls, even from the, even from the floors, so we're up on the second floor. The fireman he tells his partner, "We have to get out of here." So he grabs my brother. But your brother, though, at that time, because if he if, if he's saying he does, he has
0: a pulse. You must have seen something happening to him before the fireman came. Yes, I did. W- what was happening to him? Why what, was what? he? Why were you still alive and and he barely has a pulse?
1: Because smoke. Smoke. So what were you doing? Were you trying to help him? Like, how old is he at the time? He was eight years old. I was grabbing him. I'm grabbing him, saying, come on, Thomas. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. Then the fireman, two of them rushed up the stairs. And one of them started to revive Thomas because he wasn't moving. So he arrived, but he checked his pulse and he said he has a pulse. And he said, we got to get up out of here. So he grabbed Thomas, grabbed me. We went downstairs, as we went downstairs, fire was just everywhere. So my mother is so old fashioned. She was born in Vicksburg, Mississippi. So my mother had two garbage containers. One was filled to the top with sugar. One was filled, the other one was filled with uh, flour. So what they did was they took that garbage container and they dumped it out, all right, the sugar, and put me in there and put my brother in there, put the lid on and then they ran right through the window and bust right through the window and they rushed us right to the hospital. Couple days later, Thomas died and about a week or two later, I came out of the hospital and I was able to attend my brother's funeral.
0: And how was that for you being in that room with him and seeing your brother die like that?
1: Still scary today, um, because when I hear the fire trucks and I smell smoke, that triggers me to think of my brother Thomas. Did you ever blame yourself that you couldn't get him,
0: that, I, that, that maybe you had an ability if you could have done things differently? I know you say you have no regrets, and I'm, and I'm not saying that it was your fault. You're an adolescent as well. I mean, you're lucky to be, it could have been reversed. But you're, you're here and you survived. Do you sit there and say to yourself, well, I, I could have done this? I could have grabbed him and, and we could have ran through it, and, you know, and playing Monday morning quarterback, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But yet, you know, you're the one that was in there. You're the one that was seeing him dying. Do you ever blame yourself?
1: Don't blame myself, but I question why me, why I survived and he didn't. And what, what's the answer to that? I still don't know to this day.
0: You pray to him every day. You talk to him every day. Yes. Yeah. Is that who you want to see more than anything? And when you finally, you know, put your head to rest here on earth, is that the first person that you want to see, or is there somebody else that you want to see in heaven first?
1: First, uh, to be honest with you, I would love to see um, Thomas, but you know, I can't question, you know, why things happen because I, I really don't know. But but it's it. It still bothers me, as a fifty-two-year-old man, to you know, because he's gone, and I'm still living. You know, I'm I'm still living, and and that what really you know bothers me a lot.
0: But would that be the first person you'd want to see in heaven, or is this somebody else? Your mother, your father? Who would be be the first person that you'd want to see? I think all of them. That's nah, that's not the question, though. <laughs> I know it's not the question. Well, answer it. What is it? Who's the first person, you know, that you'd want to see? Like, for me, i got to tell you the truth. One of the things is my dog. Your one dog? Of my, one of my dogs was, you know, the person, you know. Mm. I love my dog. My dog was, my, you know, never did a thing to me, never lied to me never bit me never did anything to me so you know, i'm just saying like you know if i had to say one of the things that i am anticipating that's a that's a that's a loaded
1: question but you know um,
0: but there's one person god comes to you and says hey listen the first person i'm going to give you this ability who's the first person you want to walk through that door that you haven't seen that's also been in heaven and you have that choice who is that going to be it's not a it's not a there's no wrong
1: answer i know um, I'm just shocked. i would have th- to say i'm 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 being honest I would have to say um Thomas I was because, gonna say because if it's not i'll be shocked we were we were close you understand I was seven he was eight and we did a lot of dirt to my older siblings and so <laughs> what well, we you got those they, memories yeah and they kicked our ass for that too yeah i know and those are probably like the things. and he- I will like to I, I would like to see a glimpse of how he would have turned out to be yes you know yeah no I agree with that At the age, you know, of 53, if he was alive today.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, Well, listen, your story is extraordinary. I know you got, you know, a a time limit because you guys got things you have to go do. But we can
1: keep going for 15 more. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Let me ask you this, though, real quick. Uh, if, If people wanted, though, you said Amazon, Barnes & Noble, but if people wanted to follow you, say,
1: on social media... How would they be able to do that? Um, Paul Lamar Hunter. My website Paul is. Lamar Hunter. Yep. And, and my, is that on Twitter? It's is it? on Twitter. It's on Facebook. It's on Instagram. And my website is paullamarhunter.com. Go out, get the book, No Love, No Charity, The Success of the Nineteen Child. And also they can go out and purchase uh, my mother book, um, Love and Charity, um, The Life Story of Louise Hunter in the Homeless... homeless um, um, the Love and Charity Homeless Shelter. That's a very good, um, powerful book as as well. Listen, I got to tell you, I love having you here. I, I do. Um,
0: is there anything else that we need to, you know, for people to, you said Twitter. You're on Facebook. You're on Instagram as well. Yes. Are you, do you do videos? Like, because you, before you came on, I asked you, I said, do you, not that you're a preacher, but a motivational speaker somewhat. Do, are you into doing motivational speaking? Are you, do you have people that people can come see you speak?
1: Well, if they want to book me, they can go to my um, website. Uh, right now, I'm in the process of trying to set up my own podcast show. I mean you got a lot to talk about. Yes, I do.
0: And you don't, and you're not afraid to and voice, I'm not voice afraid. your
1: mind. And I'm gonna have you on the show. Yeah,
0: soon. I would love to. <laughs> uh, I'd love to do it. So listen, I got you know, I gotta tell you the story is fantastic. Paul Lamar Hunter, thank you so much for coming on. I really do appreciate it, brother. Hey, thank you. Yeah, it was great meeting you.
1: Yep. Seeing yes. here.
0: All right. And that being said, we are out. Peace.